The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. As a new book, it's called Commit to Lead. That's the numeral two. Commit to Lead. Unlock your true leadership potential as it outlines optimism, preparation, purpose, resilience and leaving your ego at the door are just some of the traits that are found in great leadership. Author, entrepreneur and CEO of McNulty, Enda McNulty, spent oh five years putting the book together but amassing an experience for decades before that. And he's with me now in the studio. Enda, good morning and welcome. Thanks for having me, Pat. It's a pleasure to be here again. It's a long time in the making then, this book. It's probably 30 years in curation, five years in the writing, and I suppose in the 30 years we've been lucky to meet the best leaders in the world, some on the sports pitch, some CEOs of global businesses, some maybe leading charities in very difficult, adverse conditions, and maybe more importantly than any of that, maybe a young mother who makes a decision to lead at home by grabbing her young child in the middle of the night and deciding that enough's enough. Um, the, the, before we go on, you are donating the proceeds of this book to? Every euro we're going to donate to Goal in the next month uh, because of what's happening in Syria and Turkey. So everything we do with this book in the next month, every single cent goes to that incredible adversity that those people are facing over there. We're amazed by the resilience of the Goal organisation. Now, uh, I've seen you in action online. I, I googled you, you see, to, in preparation for this, and I've seen you addressing people in Google, for example, um, and you're there in person and uh, your motivational skills are absolutely enormous. We'll talk maybe where they came from. Um, but you faced your own challenge when the pandemic struck. Yeah, at the start of the pandemic, our business had delivered all of our work for about 15 years in person, training all around the world, coaching all around the world and advising all around the world. But then we had to make a decision, either we go out of business, either we mothball the business or we pivot. So, of course, all entrepreneurs have that decision on a very regular basis. We had to pivot and quickly, almost like what you've done yourself, Pat, many times in your career. So we had to pivot and we pivoted to make our business entirely digitally enabled, which is brilliant because now we can impact leaders all around the world on Zoom, on Teams. And of course, we have to blend that with in-person. Well, you'd miss it anyway, wouldn't you? I love the in-person. I, I love the in-person. I like this. There's nothing like sitting down looking into somebody's eyes, you know, shaking their hand in the flesh. However, now you don't have to travel all around the world every single week. I was spending about a quarter of my year traveling around the world. And my young wife, Julia, who were just about to have a little baby, please God, in August, uh, she would no longer accept that anymore to be traveling constantly. Yeah. Now, uh, the book is divided into two sections. Uh, section one is leading self and then leading others. You give great examples in the book uh, of uh, of leadership. And uh, at the very beginning, you talk about this guy, uh, Kako. Uh, who's Kako and where does he live? Kako is a friend of mine. His real name is Jacques Bourgeoli. He's a Haitian comedian and actor, uh, very famous for Hollywood and so on. He lives in Port-au-Prince in Haiti. Uh, he spent all of his time being a famous uh, actor and comedian. And then he pivoted and he pivoted to somebody who wants to give it all back uh, to a charity called Kako's Kids. Now we collectively have a mission of making an impact on over a million children's lives post the 2010 earthquake and with almost incredible sadness the earthquake that struck in Syria and Turkey it's a very uh, sad segue into the start of our book. Now uh, Kako he, he had pivoted though before 
because he was doing something else entirely before he became this comedian and actor. So he's a pivoter. He's a pivoter. I guess uh, Podigal Cage, the great Irish businessman, once said to me that you have to reinvent yourself every two years. So I think in, in leadership in general, in all roles in leadership, you have to continually reinvent yourself because of what's happened in the market, in the geopolitical scenarios, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's uh, economic mm. downturns and so on, you have to continually reinvent. Yeah. Uh, now, Haiti uh, is really a basket case at the moment. I mean, they had a president assassinated uh, there's no political leadership there are gangs it's a very difficult place uh, I spoke to Kako about a week and a half ago he broke down in tears uh, a man in his mid-50s broke down in tears because of how hopeless this scenario yeah. is and yet the next day he calls me back to say that I'm optimistic again he's another little let's say a group of kids he can help yeah. through uh, their yeah. very difficult times and, and you mentioned one of the kids who uh, made a great life for himself but the key is that life is in the United States you know. Yes, unfortunately, a lot of people have to leave their home place to make it big, but then they come back and return and try and inspire many other leaders. Now, um, the um, example of from history, Ernest Shackleton, what an extraordinary man. This is a, a chapter about optimism. And he had dangerous optimism, you might say, incurable optimism. How did he lead his men? Well, I think optimism is a superpower. All the great leaders are optimistic, not overly optimistic, not overly arrogant. So how did Shackleton lead when it looked like all was lost, when it looks like, let's say, the chances of surviving were very bleak? He had to find a way to lead his team, to find a way after the ship was crushed, to keep them tight and cohesive and keep them believing they would get back home to Ireland, Scotland, Wales and England. Now, how did he do that? Well, first and foremost, he set leadership by example. He, every single day he kept his optimism high, his spirits high and he knew that had a contagious impact on the rest of his team. And he was creative with his menus as well, even he, though it was the same stuff every day. He mixed the menus up in terms of what he and the rest of his team were eating but also he knew to do things like play football on the ice, to have somebody to play the ukulele, uh, to make sure there was a wee thimble of brandy to be shared out amongst the men on a nightly basis. So he was hugely creative about how to keep that optimism and also he dealt with a conflict and the pessimism in small doses. So as a leader, I've made many, many mistakes of our organisation. And one of those I would deal with that in big team meetings. Shackleton knew to deal with that in one-on-ones. Nice and quietly deal with the tension and conflict and the pessimism in one-on-ones. Um, then they set off. and They set off for South Georgia. I mean, this was a hopeless mission to survive. I mean, maybe they would no choice, but it was a foolhardy venture on paper. It looked incredibly hopeless. It looked very foolhardy. However, isn't that what the great leaders do? They find a way to find hope and optimism, even when everything else looks completely dark. Um, he made it famously uh, and uh, I suppose he is a lesson to others that things are never quite as hopeless as they might seem. Well, he's a lesson to all of us that no matter how hopeless things seem, we can still endure. By endurance, we can all get through the middle of all the biggest storms in our lives, in our businesses, in our communities and in all walks of life. Now, leave your ego at the door. Um, a lot of people believe that to be a manager, a leader, you have to have a massive ego. I don't agree. I would I would vehemently disagree with that. I think we need to have our ego in check. We need to make sure we control our ego. Of course, we need a certain element of ego, but we need to 
put it outside the door in terms of putting the team first and foremost. In the book I talk about Desi Ryan, ex-fireman New York City. And Desi was amazing at when we fail as a team at Queen's University, he would take the blame. He would stand up in front of the team, little quiet voice and say, gentlemen, today I take 100% of the blame. So I think great leaders, of course, know when to put their ego completely at the door because they know it's all about the team. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, I remember uh, it was with Mourinho, I think. And uh, Mourinho, in the later stages of his involvement with the Premier League, tended to blame everybody else. But in his earlier days, he would take it on the chin. Interestingly, I was asked to do quite a bit of work with the Chelsea Academy, working at all levels in their academy. They said there was two versions of Mourinho. Mourinho, the first version when he was there, was a more humble man, a man that involved more of the entire staff. And the second version of Mourinho was a superstar. And maybe his ego got a little bit too inflated. Now, Joe Schmidt, you came across him at the very beginning. His first day in Leinster Rugby, I was very lucky to be uh, brought into a meeting with him and Gay Easterby. Gay used to be still the manager there at Leinster Rugby. And Joe was, let's say, discussing and considering whether he'd keep me involved. Michael Cheka had brought me in as performance coach and we were lucky to win the first Heineken Cup way back in 2009. And Joe basically interviewed me as to what value could I add to the backroom staff. And I had a notebook with me of all my one-on-ones with every player over the last, let's say, two or three years. Mm. And he's seen how methodical I had been with all of those. So he basically made a decision there and then he would give me one more chance. And then I ended up working with him for nearly 10 years, both with Leinster and Ireland. Uh, what was it about Joe? Um, because uh, I, I read in the book that his idea was, let's do the simple things right. Let's do the basics right. And we'll be the best at the basics. He was a brilliant practitioner of the basic skills. I think the first meeting I remember him doing at Carden House, I think it possibly was a Sunday evening, he spoke about will they be the best team in the world at executing the basic skills under pressure. In fact, he created a mantra, basic excellence, everyone, every time. And all of the players, all of the staff rode in behind that and they became the best in the world at that. So if you do the basics right, everything else will kind of come together. It's interesting at the moment uh, that uh, Farrell as the uh, coach of, uh, Adi Farrell as the coach of the Ireland team, he seems to be bent on creating a big family and the atmosphere and uh, everyone working for everybody else and uh, kind of almost a feeling of invincibility. I think what Andy Farrell has done and he was in camp as the defensive coach when I was there for three or four years he's a phenomenal leader as well I think what we need to appreciate that is different leaders have different styles Joe Schmidt's style of leadership is completely different than Andy Farrell's who am I to say which one's right or wrong yeah. what I love doing is finding out what were the best strengths of Joe Schmidt and what are the best strengths of Andy Farrell I think actually both of them in combination had a formidable force Andy is much better on culture, let's say, especially empowering everybody around him. But I think that Joe's time was very important to lay the foundations upon which Andy has now raised the bar once more. Yeah. Now, uh, the, your own leadership skills, obviously you can't run a company like yours uh, and you can't be persuasive unless you yourself have been imbued with uh, a leadership quality. Where does that come from? I was very lucky that early in life, and we speak about this in Commit to Lead, that I met a gentleman out on a cavalcade one Sunday afternoon with a mother and father. We were canvassing for the SDLP, 
and we were canvassing on behalf of Seamus Mallon and Yuri and Armagh. My brother Justin now wears that same jersey as Seamus Mallon wore all those years ago. And that was the first leader I ever really realised uh, that I had met. Big, strong, positive influence, very optimistic, very resilient, uh, had a huge amount of setbacks, but yet he believed that he could negotiate the Good Friday Agreement. So that was the first time I experienced a leader at that level. And my whole life, Pat, I've been very lucky to have met leaders in politics, in business, in sport, and all aspects of life that I can learn from and grow as a result of meeting them. With your own sporting career, were you a leader of men? I wouldn't like to say that I'm... Who am I to say that I'm a leader of men? That's for other people to vote. (laughs) What I would say is I was on an amazing team with a group of brilliant leaders and we collectively led on many big days in, uh, let's say, in the Coliseum at Crow Park. Yeah, a Colosseum it is. It's an absolutely terrific book. I mean, it's full of anecdote and uh, it's massively entertaining as well as being very instructive. And perhaps leaders or who fancy themselves as leaders might uh, learn a thing or two about uh, humility in the process. Well, I think we all need to be humble now more than ever. And in particular, I'll go back to goal. Every single book that we sell in the next month. So tell your mothers, your brothers, your bosses, your CEOs, your coaches to buy a version of Commit to Lead because every single single book in the next month will go to goal in Syria and Turkey. Okay, and the the last thing I suppose is that uh, leaders uh, should realise that they are there to serve rather than to command. I think the new era of leadership is very much about servant leadership. I think the old dictatorial style of leadership is absolutely obsolete. Absolutely. Well, it's a terrific book. It's called Commit, uh, Numeral to Lead. Commit to Lead, Unlock Your True Leadership Potential. It's uh, published by Enda McNulty, its author, and it's available everywhere. Uh, All known bookstores and online, of course, on Amazon. Uh, Buy as many as you can because it'll go straight to goal. Very good. Enda, thank you very much for joining us in the studio. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.